So we have to learn that all of it is our experience. You know, we, we have those moments of joy and utter happiness. And we also have those moments of doubt and disappointment and fear. And that's just kind of a part of being human. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. My name is Amanda Johnson, your host, and I am back with another phenomenal guest. I can say that with complete confidence because while I do not yet know her all that well in this physical form and in this physical realm, I feel though as though she has swirled into my life and has been brought into my life like so many other bright lights on this path because there is something I am here to learn from her, that there is something that she is here to share with you. And of course, because she is on her path, shining her light, doing the work, being an inspiration for others. And I believe that those of us who are doing that, which in some way or another is each and every one of us, that we are phenomenal human beings. So here is another phenomenal guest on my show. I know that we will have a conversation that will lift you up, inspire you, remind you of something that you need to be reminded of today. And that is what I love so much about this show is that it is what comes up in the present moment for me, for my guest, and that you need to hear in this present moment, whenever that happens to be that you are listening to this show. So today I have Sandy McClenahan as my guest. He is a professional coach and speaker who works with women to empower their authentic voice and confidently communicate that voice in the world. After years of hiding herself behind depression and people-pleasing, it was her journey with a coach that changed her life forever. The transformative power of being coached helped Sandy realize her passion in life, empowering women to confidently be themselves in a world often trying to determine what that should look like. Sandy's clients learn to fearlessly look at what is holding them back, who they want to become, and how to confidently create the life of their dreams. And I got full body chills as I read the end of that because there is such power and beauty and love being expressed in those words. So Sandy, with that, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Amanda. I'm really grateful to be here and just want to say hello to everyone who's listening whenever or wherever they may be listening. Isn't that fun to, to realize that here this is, we are sharing space and time, though very far apart from one another. And, and now we get to share space and time with all of these people listening wherever they may be, whenever they may be, and talk about, like, let's look at the whole metaphysical, uh, quantum physics, time, space, all the things. <laughs> it's all happening right now, right? Multiple levels or layers of possibility and reality simultaneously occurring. <laughs> but that is not what we're here to talk about today, is it? What we are here to talk about, because this is certainly very up for you in the work you do and very present for you in terms of the gifts you are here to share, what you have been here to learn and therefore teach and share with others is the idea that human happens, you know, be humanness mm -hmm. happens. And I just love that title or that concept so much because I think so often on this path, especially any of us who are drawn to the spiritual path. And I'm even in saying that I am creating a duality to say there's a spiritual path and then there's the non-spiritual. Let's be honest, it's all 
spiritual. But at some point before we come to that recognition that everything is sacred, there is this duality or this division that happens, I believe it did on my path, where we say, well, there's this being human thing over here. And then there's this being divine and being spiritual thing over here. And we need to, for me, this was my experience. I need to resist, put down, um, reject, hide, repress this human thing over here because I want to be this divine spiritual thing. And I love that what you are, in my opinion, doing is inviting us to let's bring them back together or at the very least, let's look at the human part of it and give it a hug and say, guess what? You're here. You're a part of this. You're here for the ride. Um, and let's, let's bring it all together. Let's integrate it together. So for those listening, that is what we are going to explore one way or another today is this concept that yes, we are human and, and we are figuring this out as we go. And so when Sandy sent this to me, uh, these words and these ideas to me, I, as I do, found a quote from an inspiring book that has served me on my journey and has possibly served many of you on your journey. And I found this quote from The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. And a very quick blurb about that. That book, along with The Power of Now, I read approximately five years ago now, I would say, and they served as pivotal on my journey. Now, I believe that books come to us at the right time and books, certain books or messages become that pivotal point for us because of where we're at on our path. And for me, the untethered soul was definitely one of them. So I have this quote that I'd like to read or this passage. And as you listen, I'd like you to be present to what these words have to say to you today. And Sandy, I'll ask you to do the same. What do these words bring up for you? What do they um, call forth inside of you to remember or to think about? Or how do they relate to your own experience on this path? So the quote is, wise beings do not want to remain a slave to the fear of pain. They permit the world to be what it is instead of being afraid of it. They wholeheartedly participate in life, but not for the purpose of using life to avoid themselves. At any moment, you can feel frustration, anger, fear, jealousy, insecurity, or embarrassment. If you watch, you will see that the heart is trying to push it all away. If you want to be free, you have to learn to stop fighting these human feelings. Now, there's a lot in there, but what really stands out to me, and then I'll be curious, Sandy, what stands out to you is at any moment, we can feel all of these things and we notice that we try to push it away. But if we want to be free, we have to learn to stop fighting these human feelings. So Sandy, what does that bring up for you or remind you of or evoke in you? Oh man, I love that quote. It, um, it it really kind of takes me back to where the whole concept of human happens comes from. And part of that is that I really believe we, we as teachers, we tend to teach the things that we need the most. And this quote really talks about a lot of those pieces that I've 
worked on and needed to work on so many aspects in my life. And it's especially that concept of um, the, the embracing all of it, because I think the more we try to push it away or say, oh, I shouldn't feel that way, or, you know, I, I shouldn't be frustrated. I, I should, I shouldn't, or, um, you know, try to pretend we're not afraid or whatever those feelings are that come up, the more they tend to have power over us because we're trying to push them away, the more they tend to push back. And, you know, someone told me not too long ago that I needed to try to, or I needed to not try, I needed to go through what I was feeling rather than go around or try to go above or under or avoid or whatever it may be. And that's really where we're able to kind of take back our power when we can acknowledge you know, I really am feeling disappointed about this situation or, you know, I'm really frustrated right now. That's what allows us to say, okay, this is what's happening. And now I can choose what I'm going to do next rather than give it all our, all, all of our power and, you know, kind of lose ourselves in whatever that situation, that emotion, that thing is. So I just really love that quote. That was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And I love the sneak peek into where this concept of human happens comes from for you this here I am avoiding repressing uh, trying to go around you know the words came up the spiritual bypass many of us have probably heard that before right where oh I and I'm curious if this is true for you because what's coming up for me as I heard you say all of that and even when I read that quote is from my own experience this well I'm I'm too good to feel those things anymore. Or I've done so much work by by this point, I certainly shouldn't feel, and again, using that word should or shouldn't, I shouldn't feel angry, sad, disappointed. And I had a lot of, I'd looked at that a lot this year myself. So yeah, what can you go a little more into that? Like, what did that journey look like? Or how how has that been unfolding for you to come to this place of, recognition that there's this desire or this this um this way of showing up on this path that says no 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 I I should I should either be over that by now or I shouldn't feel those things can you tell me more about that yeah you know it's it's funny when I before human happens came to be human happened um the the idea or the phrase running through my head was you've got to be shooting me that's what kind of kept going in and out of my head. And this word should, it's so, it's so powerful and it's so powerful in the way that we actually, it's kind of a, a way we give away our power is the way that I usually think of it because saying should in and of itself implies that it's not ours. There's, there's should it is, I, the only reason I'm saying should is because someone else thinks I should. If we're, if we're shooting for ourselves, I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, but shooting it's, it's someone else's or rather our belief of someone else's idea of what we need to do, which is kind of a really weird convoluted philosophy that runs through a lot of our heads uh, when it comes to the word should. And I was drowning in it. Ultimately, um, I realized after somebody actually asked me to write down all of the shoulds I was living my life by. And I, I sat down, I really took this exercise very seriously, and I came up with 40, 48 or 49 different shoulds that my life were 
was, was kind of running by. And the worst part of that is some of them I couldn't have at the same time. Like I should do one thing and I should do another. Like, let's see if I can come up with an example. I should want to have children and I should also be an independent woman who can make a decision about whether or not I want to have children. And so these shoulds were, they were ruling my life and I didn't know how to let go of them because they were so ingrained in my head. And so learning to kind of look at each one of them and decide whether or not it was something I actually wanted to live by was incredibly powerful. And years later, looking at the list, it's almost like, oh, wow, none of this even resonates with me anymore when it used to have so such a large hook, had an emotional hook in pretty much every single one of them. So uh, I hope that answered your question in a very long-winded way, but <laughs> should is one of those words that I would just love to remove from the English language. <laughs> Amen. I, you know, I, we've added a lot of words. I feel like now is the time we can start to remove them. I, I'm smiling over here because I, I did my own removal of that word from my vocabulary a few years ago for many of the same reasons, though I never did that exercise. And that sounds so, so empowering. And boy, anyone listening, if you haven't taken a look at your shoulds, I would be so fascinated as to what that could reveal to you. So did you you did answer my question now you've primed me for more because now I want to know more so this the idea that you've got to be shooting me is fabulous and how do you see because I think that is that is such a um to your point you talked about that in your bio about how you work with a lot of women who that is one of their major issues problems and I think that really runs throughout the world and I don't think this is a gender um no, by thing. This, men and women we all have our shoulds of course now mm -hmm. I'm curious for you how did it evolve from being about the shoulds of one's ex life and experience I should do this I shouldn't do that I should feel this way I should want these things I should show up this way I should meditate mm -hmm. every day for 15 minutes you know that was one of my shoulds early on and when I noticed that I thought hmm that's interesting. Um, so, you know, I sh all of these things, how did that now evolve into allowing yourself to feel all the things it means to be human and to be with all of the things it means to be human? What did that evolution or that next step look like? Mm -hmm. Well, first, I'd love to say that when, it, you know, to anyone who decides to do this exercise, also look at the shouldn'ts, because the shouldn'ts are just as powerful as the shoulds. So look at both of them and know that they, they also kind of reflect each other. Um, but how, how did that really evolve? Well, when I was looking at those shoulds, I realized that I had an intense amount of guilt and shame coming up around pretty much every single one of them, because there was guilt around, you know, looking backwards and saying, should have, should have all of these things. And if I hadn't done them yet, then, you know, I was feeling like I owed someone or, you know, I was comparing myself and judging. And so it created this gigantic snowball of stuff, like just icky. I don't want to look at this stuff, which I had kind of realized I had buried under years and years and years of depression. And it was like the more I tried to shove it away or bury it or pretend it didn't exist, the more, well, the more I, I really wasn't allowing myself to be this person that I am. And I sort of lost myself in all of it. Because when you're trying to say, 
I should all of these things. It's like you're trying to fit yourself into a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller box, which isn't you. And so who are you really when you start uncovering all of these shoulds? And that was where this, I guess, gentleness is really the best way that I can put it started to appear because the more I looked at these shoulds and shouldn'ts, the more I could let them go and the bigger the box became and the more that I could start really uncovering who is this person that is Sandy. And life really began to unfold. And in part of that process, um, you know, I was able to get off of medication, which I had been on for a very long time. And, and then it was like the process started all over again, because, you know, there really isn't a, a figuring it out point where we're like, oh my gosh, and now I know who I am because we're constantly evolving, right? But when I started really coming out of this period of depression that I had been under, it was like suddenly I had to figure out figure out, I use that term in quotes, but who I am or who I want to be. And so you can, it, it kind of started becoming this, um, I, I, the, the journey really started then, I'd like to say. And so, mm. yeah, you know, just being able to look at all of these aspects as opposed to hiding them, it was both really, really uncomfortable, so uncomfortable and, um, and just really powerful at the same time. I so love that. I had so many chills as you were talking because what that shows me and and hopefully even those listening are feeling into this is, I mean, so many things. One is that we are on this eternal evolutionary journey. This There is no arriving. There is no, ah, here it is. Here I am. Figured it out. Um, you're also highlighting that need that we do have, this kind of incessant need to quote unquote figure it out which can very, can very much serve us when we can step back a bit, right? Michael Asinger's book all, is all about being the observer. And so if we can step back and go, oh, look, I'm trying to figure it out again. How cute. Um, you know, there's a little less of that, you know, tension that, and, and depression that can happen. Um, and I just love that you're, you're highlighting how when we are unwilling to look at these parts of our humanity, these traits within us, these emotions, these feelings, of course, what can happen. And so here you are, you're coming out, you're, you're opening up, you're willing to do that because you've noticed the, what has occurred after years and years and years of the shooting and the repression and all these things. Now you, like you said, it's like, now I get to start all over. Right. And I think I do believe our journey is uh, the upward spiral and we, we keep coming back and we get to go again and we go up again and up again. It's not that we, um, ever stop. So we continuously get to start over. And so here you are, you're, you're more willing, you are off your medication, and now you get to feel all of the uncomfortable parts of what this experience is like when we don't shove it away. Equally, I imagine you get to experience all of the bliss and joy that this experience brings, because we aren't shoving it away either, right? Can you talk about that for yeah. a minute only because that's where I'm at? Like, let's go there. I had another question. Maybe I'll come back to it. But what's, let's look at that, right? Because sometimes we focus only on, well, I don't want to feel the anger and the resentment and the frustration and the all. But let's talk about it's, it's both, right? So what does that mean to you or how has that looked for you? You know, it, it really takes me back. And I, I can't remember when she said this, but I love Brene Brown. And she talks about this idea that we can't selectively numb. Like we can't selectively numb the icky stuff. 
and then think that we're going to ex still experience the highs and the joys and the, you know, the beauty that is life. And so we have to kind of learn that all of it is our experience. You know, we, we have those moments of joy and utter happiness. And we also have those moments of doubt and disappointment and fear. And that's just kind of a part of being human. All of those things are part of our experience. And, um, I just really love that it, that, sort, that idea of we're always spiraling up because to me what that says is that we kind of come back around to these points that it's like, wow, that looks really familiar and I'm handling it a little differently, but it still looks really familiar. And I think that what I've noticed is even when you do the work and you, you know, the shoulds, for instance, they still kind of come back around because you come back to it and you're like, oh man, I should really handle this a little differently. But I still feel X, Y, and Z. You know, there's a lot of comparison and judgment that happens in life, especially now in our overly connected world. And in all of those moments of comparison and judgment, it's another opportunity to kind of say, okay, what's coming up? What am I really looking at? What is it saying? What am I trying to learn about myself? And let go of that comparison, that should, that judgment. Um, but we're always coming back around to it. You know, no matter how much work we do, no matter how many you know courses we take or how many you know times I've coached someone, I still need coaching myself. I still have to work through my own stuff. There is no, you know, never experiencing fear or doubt again, which has been a very difficult lesson <laughs> for myself personally. Right. Well, and, and then that brings us to this idea that we, can we be open to experiencing and feeling all of it? Uh, I want to point to what you said about Brene Brown, of course, brilliant teacher and, and uh, leader for us. And she, I've heard those similar thoughts and, and it's interesting. And I'm curious if this is true for you, you know, in my path, I've noticed that, and within the last probably year, even this has really made itself known to me where I, I avoid feeling super elated or excited about something because I don't then want to feel the disappointment or the, the, you know, the loss later right so there's even what and so that can be I think and why I say that is I think we can at times unconsciously numb ourselves out to feeling these things and I think we can consciously numb ourselves out of fear out of concern right does that is that true for you have you felt that in your life oh definitely you know one thing that that what you're saying brings up for me a lot is this kind of idea of balance versus harmony because what balance really seems to say is that if I experience this high, I must, you know, as you kind of said, right, I must also experience the exact same low. And while, while I think that that can help us work our way through, it, through certain things, it also feels very linear to me. And so what I kind of tried to move from balance more into harmony, because what harmony says is that everything's constantly working to stay in harmony similar to balance but it's it's not it's not one for one I think is why I really love the idea of harmony um, versus balance and it's definitely an unconscious thing that we have to turn conscious because so much gets you know the stories and the stuff going on inside of our brain that we have no ideas kind of running the show we have to get kind of conscious about you know so for instance what you were just saying right if that's something that you're living how can you help yourself move beyond that, okay, well, if this really high elation happens, what's going to be the thing that counterbalances it so that you can experience all of it instead of trying to you know, worry about something while you're experiencing something else. It's like, 
it's kind of hard to be in the present if you're worried about, oh gosh, if I get too excited here, then <laughs> what is the thing right. going to be? Does that make right. sense? Oh, hundred percent. And actually when you said harmony over balance, which I'm really loving that concept is this from a musical standpoint, I'm, you know, I've not the most studied in music, though I have quite a background in music. And I'm thinking, especially as a singer, when you find harmony, there are times where you harmonize at a third, you harmonize sometimes at a fourth, you might pick a, you know, again, these are all parts of your, um, right, the octave, you might harmonize at an octave. So you're singing the same note, just an octave different, or you found some other area in between, right, to harmonize that. And sometimes it can have a slight dissonance and other times it doesn't. Point being, when you said it's harmony over balance, right, or again, that's not, it's not an either or, but there's, you know, leaning more into the harmony concept, there is this idea that it doesn't have to be equal per se, right? So you don't have to be an octave apart. So you're on the high end, I'm on the low end. Like you may be only a fourth from me. So there's a, this, it just offers this, um, a spectrum, if you will, I suppose, of options. And I just, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So tell me more about this as you are now in a space of being open to allowing the humanness to be there. So you're aware of it. You see it as, um, this is part of the experience and I no longer want to reject it, deny it, squash it. What does that look like for you? Can you paint us that picture a bit more? Well, it looks pretty messy to be a hundred percent honest. It looks messy. Um, when you're, when you're trying to kind of, we'll go with the selective numbing idea, right? The world looks pretty, um, controlled, I suppose is a good way to look at it, or at least that's what we're perceiving it to be because you're like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to not feel this right now. I'll feel it later, or I'm going to push it away or whatever you, it's almost like trying to take control of something that's uncontrollable. And when you sort of surrender into whatever is coming up, <laughs> it's like taking a bunch of paint and splatting it on the wall and then trying to make some sense out of it. <laughs> um, because Every single moment is another opportunity to experience a multitude of things. And so it's like you kind of, I mean, you have to become a whole heck of a lot more present because when you're trying to um, manage and control, I guess is the best way to describe it versus um, really experiencing, it's like you're living either in the, in the future or you're living in the past because you're trying to say, okay, I should have done this or I don't want to feel this. And the difference is really when you sit here and you go, I am feeling X, Y, and Z. And that can be kind of confusing when you've spent a lot of time, you know, trying to only feel one way or another, because you find yourself being really elated and still being disappointed at the same time. Or you find yourself feeling, you know, just full of laughter and joy and happiness, but there's always, there's still something that, you know, maybe is making you kind of sad. And it's confusing to realize that you can experience all of these things at the same time because you're not used to it <laughs> because you're used to trying right. to say, no, right now I'm only <laughs> whatever. So it's yeah. a, it's a messy, chaotic mess. And I think that's what I love about this concept of human happens because there's a lot happening. <laughs> there's a lot happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, as I have this beautiful little um, inner skeptic that likes to show up from time to time, mainly not because I don't believe what you're saying to be true, but what happens is I hear the 
yeah, buts, either from my own yep. past experience or from any one of the people out there listening right now. I'm like, mm, yeah, but right. And, and often it comes in the voice of my mother. Thank you, mother. I love you dearly. And she's often the voice I hear. <laughs> so here's my follow-up question to that, to address those skeptics or those concerns. Okay. Especially since you are someone who has said, I've come from um, a place of deep depression or at least depression of some sort that you will, you are willing to identify and label and name and point to, and even sounds like potentially had some um, medicative, you know, medication to support you on that. Anyhow, what, how do you respond to, or how will you respond to the question of, well, if I let it happen, okay, if I let myself feel all these things and experience all these things, won't I just become a a big fat mess or again, you said it's messy, but will I, how will I not succumb to deep depression, for example, or how will I um, get on with my day? How will I be a productive contributing person in society? So these to me are the skeptics and the critics in terms of how one might hear what you're saying. How do you respond to those? Well, you know, the first one, is uh I love I love metaphors because I think they make life so much more picturesque right so the way that I would describe it first and foremost is it's kind of like learning how to swim you know you don't if you if you don't know how to swim you don't dive right into the deep end right you don't just like open the floodgates and like look at all of it right what you do is you you start with one step at a time right so maybe you start in the shallow end you take a step into the pool and then you take another step into the pool and eventually the water's up to your waist right well, you're not swimming quite yet, but you're in the pool. And then maybe you'll walk a little bit deeper and you'll walk a little bit deeper until eventually you're starting to learn how to swim because you can't touch the ground anymore. And I like to think of kind of dealing with our emotions in sort of the same way where, you know, you may sit down with yourself for a moment and just kind of ask yourself, like, what am I feeling right now? Just right in this exact second, not at a moment where you're, you know, losing your absolute mind, that's not the time to sit down and be like, okay, here's what I'm feeling. You got to start where you have a little bit more control, right? So it's, it's a practice is kind of the other way that I like to, I like to look at it too, because I think everything in life is a practice. It's not something that, you know, we don't pick anything up and like, we're a genius savant right away. And so learning to kind of process or understand or handle or look at our emotions, whatever you want to call it, is something that we have to, we have to actually do consciously. And it's kind of like meditation, you know, you may want to start with 30 seconds of just kind of sitting with yourself and asking yourself, what am I feeling? And then maybe move to five minutes and then 10 minutes and then 20 minutes, whatever it may look like. Um, and so I think learning to you know, understand ourselves and understand our emotions, it's just something we have to practice and not try to force <laughs> because again I think a lot of these things that I've learned on my journey is that you know when I don't know about you but I've, I'm also a perfectionist and so I want to like I want to do it perfectly the first time well you know our emotions there there really is no um perfect way to see them or experience them or whatever so it's really just learning to sort of be with ourselves and kind of be gentle with ourselves and see what it is that we're feeling and yeah practice it does that answer your question does that, totally. How does your critic feel right now? Oh, my <laughs> my critic feels like she just got you know put on the back seat in the back shelf for a second. No, I, of course, I am a recovering perfectionist, so that is where this voice comes from in these moments. Um, and and even in my mother, again, I love you dearly, mother. 
and her her perfectionism has really you know paved this path and that's why I often hear her voice piping in mainly because it's but what if I do it wrong what if I what if I explore my emotions wrong and then I'm you know I'm depressed for a year and I can't get out of bed or whatever the fear is because it's all fear it's not actual right it's not it's not actually happening it's the projection of the fear of what could go wrong um, and so anyway yes I think that beautifully answers these potential concerns that someone may have like well how, what do I do and and also your metaphor offers such a beautiful invitation to uh, come into the pool but you don't have to jump into the deep end so I think that's absolutely right that we life is a practice all of it and and it's an ongoing practice so once you do swim in the deep end again you're not done now you're going to practice swimming in the ocean and then you're going to practice the different strokes and then you get to practice you know whatever suspending yourself so, i mean it just it keeps evolving it keeps evolving so yeah. yeah and i think it's really important too to remember that because it's such a wide spectrum of things that we experience it's really really important to celebrate and to shine light on when we're feeling amazing and wonderful because typically what we do is we think of emotions we think of like the the icky stuff we think about like oh well i don't i don't want to feel a b and c and so we focus on it it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the in the beginning right like you're feeding all this power into the stuff you don't want to feel and we can do exactly the same thing for the the great stuff. Like I, I realized recently that for myself personally, I needed to actually give myself time to celebrate, to like actually look at life and be like, oh, this great thing happened because I've been so focused on, oh, well, I, I didn't feel this way today. So that's a win. Well, yeah. And celebrate the good stuff. Celebrate like, wow, I felt really right in this moment. I'm feeling so happy. I don't even know how to contain myself. It's really important to shine light on those to remember that there is a lot of great stuff happening, especially as we're learning to work through kind of the ickier, lower level, whatever, you know, low level vibration stuff. Um, so that's an important part of the practice too. look at the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, and that will help us to further integrate and embrace the human, I mean, and because it is all part of being human. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so beautiful reminder. Um, beautiful, beautiful reminder. So Sandy, before I pivot and ask our closing questions, are is there anything else that you care to share about this topic around humanness and life happening and experiencing yeah. all of it? You know, there's there's just two other pieces that I'd I'd love to add that I think are really important here, and and one of those is self honesty. Um, I think it's really important as we're kind of getting to know ourselves better at a, at a deeper level, we have to be really honest with ourselves because that kind of allows us to actually say, you know what, this is this is what I'm experiencing, and that's okay. But again, the more we try to push it away, it's kind of like being dishonest to ourselves. So self honesty is something that I'd love to also you know put out there as a practice. Um, and then the last one is just have some fun. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's easy in life to to kind of focus and to, you know, put our head down and be like, okay, I'm going to work on this thing right now. And we have to have some fun with everything that we do too. Because, And I think even with our emotions, like sometimes you can laugh at, <laughs> like I've, I've had to laugh at how frustrated I get over the littlest things in life sometimes. But that fun, that lightness, to just being ourselves, being human, um, 
it helps us keep moving forward. Cause I, I know that for myself personally, you know, I can get down on myself. Right. And that, that fun and that lightness is something that has really helped me on my path. So laugh a little, you know, laugh at yourself. Don't feel like your emotions are something to be feared or pushed away or whatever. You can laugh at them too. Yeah. You don't have to take them so seriously all the time, even when they feel serious. And to go back to your beautiful metaphor, it's like splash around in the pool from time to time. Realize that you can wear a, a, a an extravagant swimsuit or like go get like a dinosaur raft and hang out on it for a minute, you know, like it's okay. So yeah, enjoy it. And bringing more and more levity to this path is, has been a practice of mine as well. So my closing questions give us an opportunity to learn a little bit more about what inspires you or has inspired you on your path. So the first question is, who has been a source of inspiration for you and why? Well, one of them I already mentioned earlier, Brené Brown is probably one of one of my biggest inspirations when she talks about vulnerability. I think that was one of the that TED talk was that she does. And if you've never listened to Brené Brown's TED talk, I highly recommend it. Um, that was one of those, you know, things that I heard that sort of started waking me up a little bit and just started helping me open my eyes. Because I think vulnerability is such a powerful part of this experience that we have being human um, that I've just loved all of her work. I've read, you know, pretty much everything she's ever put out. And I think she has a, a new book or something that I need to read. But <laughs> um, she's just inspired me in her opening up. You know, she's, she likes to talk about or laugh a little bit about how she's a researcher. You know, she, that's where she started. She's a researcher. And yet look at what her research has kind of grown into. And so I think she just does an amazing job of really just showing up as who she is unapologetically. And that inspires me so much. Beautiful answer. Yes, she does model that so, so well. So aren't we lucky to have individuals in our world who do that and, and, um, knowing that we can all inspire others on a smaller scale in those same ways. So I, I think it's just so powerful to be given those large examples, those people who have the stage and the reach and the magnitude of, you know, connection that they can offer this to us. And then we can take that and we can bring it down into everything else we do. So I love, love, love that. Uh, second question is what place or activity most inspires you right now? You know, right now I'm really focusing on kind of, I guess I should say finding myself a new hobby uh, because I realized that I've kind of put aside, especially in that trying to be, have a little bit more fun in my own life, that creative aspect of myself. And I realized that I really love creating on a multitude of different levels. So right now I'm kind of playing around in, how do I create? And the biggest one that I have right now is just kind of sitting and writing. Um, but I'm looking forward to 2019 being a year where I kind of explore a, a bunch of different creative hobbies and outlets. So I'm looking forward to taking like a pottery class, I think is probably the biggest one I'm looking forward to because I've talked about it forever. And so finally doing that um, and getting my hands dirty and just playing. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that right now. I love it. I love it. And I like that the something I want to highlight here is that the intention of doing this activity is inspiring you. So there might be times in our lives where we aren't yet doing or aren't currently doing what inspires us. And that doesn't mean we can't feel inspiration. 
because we can still be inspired by the intention or the desire or the dream or the, you know, whatever's pulling us into it. And I think that's really powerful. So thank you for that. My third question is what book has inspired you the most or a lot on your journey, either spiritually, personally, professionally? I love to read, but the one that I'll point to the most is is probably Thrive by Ariana Huffington. She's an, she's another one of my heroes. <laughs> I, I just love everything that she does. And Thrive was one of those books that really opened my eyes to the way that someone says it is doesn't mean that that's how it is. <laughs> and the way that she's redefining success really just opened my eyes. You know, we can really redefine so many different things in our own world because our definition is always going to be the one that's most powerful. So if, you know, someone says success means A, B, and C, and I do A, B, and C, and I don't feel successful, it's because it's not my definition of success. And so one of, you know, one of the things that I love, love, love working with women on is defining what does that look like for you? And not just success, but love and joy and happiness and all of these different words that are out there that someone says, here's the definition. Um, you know, Thrive really opened my eyes to what does it mean to me? You know, and as part of that figuring out who I am, we have to figure out what our own definitions are of of these different things. So yeah, Thrive just really, it opened my eyes and it really just kind of set me down a very different um, different path. And so even with her definition, it's not 100% mine, but it still allows me to, to look at what does success look like for me? What does joy look like for me? What does love look like for me so that I can know when I have it and when I don't? And helping other people figure that out for themselves is one of the things I love most about my work because ultimately who we are is uh, it's so many different things, but figuring out your own definitions of, of life is, is really, really powerful. I love it. And what a powerful reason uh, for that answer. and connecting it back to the importance of doing what you're doing and sharing what you're doing. And for those of us to be brave enough to allow humanness to happen to us, to allow every experience to be what it is, to be present to it, to explore it at times with curiosity and playfulness, at times maybe more seriously, depending on what's called for, and allowing ourselves to, through that exploration and through that willingness open ourselves to more of who we truly are what are our definitions for things because to your point it's going to different things are going to feel different to me than they will to you and can if we aren't willing to say oh this is what I'm feeling right now then how are we ever going to know what love and joy and success and happiness and all these things feel like right so there's such a beautiful connection there Sandy, I have adored this conversation. The, these go by so fast, and yet I know they are exactly what they are meant to be in this moment. And I'm so grateful for you and your gifts and your light and your courage and your willingness to show up differently than you have before as you go up this spiral and you come back around to something and you say, you know, I've been here before. This looks familiar. I'm showing up differently now this time and next time and next time because you doing it gives every person that you come into contact with more and more permission to do the same. So thank you for doing your work in the world and shining your light so brightly. 
Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It was really, really just wonderful chatting with you. And I can imagine there are many, many conversations to come that are just, just for the heck of it. So thank you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then for those listening, thank you for tuning in and taking this time for yourself to be inspired and to be reminded of the things that you already know to be true. And yet maybe they've, they've slipped from your um, the forefront of your consciousness, or, or they've been set aside, or maybe this conversation ignited something within you, uh, whether that's to pick up a new hobby or um, explore your shoulds or be more open to the experience that you are having right in this moment and celebrating it, whatever it may be. And if you'd like to connect with Sandy more and find her uh, and reach out, see what she's up to, you can find her online at becausehumanhappens.com. And until next time, I wish you all many, many blessings.